When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, McCoy. Hey, McCoy. Hey, McCoy. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the PHNX Suns podcast. Brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. What? You seem so sad. I'm just out of breath. Already. Hey, welcome to CC's. <laughs> Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe where you get your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith here with Saul Bookman, Gerald Borgay, and Espo. Still got that lingering like cough thingy, and sometimes it's like hard to just breathe. Have you guys ever been to CC's? No. The salad place? The pizza place. Pizza? Is it, no, isn't it a buffet. pizza and salad yeah, buffet thing? Yeah, as soon as you walk in, they a say... A long time ago. They say, hey, welcome to CC's. And then I see CCOTR in our chat. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't think I've ever seen them. Can we talk about the important thing here? What? Why is there fruit on your beanie today? Like, is there is there significance to fruit on your beanie? Um, I just have like realistically probably like 55 beanies and I found this one in a drawer that I forgot I had so I just wore it did you get a Fruit of the Loom sponsorship that you didn't tell us about maybe like like is there a local farm that you decided to support by buying a beanie like no it was just a three (laughs) dollar beanie that I thought was cute (laughs) don't hate on my beanie it is is Fruit of the Loom that is cool That, it's not it, it's actually the... it's actually underwear just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right now that i've given you guys all the desks there to start the show let's get into it our friend brian winhorse said today on nba today he's thinking maybe sunday now for kevin durant's first game as a son Bastard. we mentioned yesterday that we think that it'll be friday based on everything that we've kind of seen as far as like ESPN picking up the game and just putting the pieces of the puzzle together. But now I'm a little sad that we might have to wait even longer. Yeah, you got to imagine when Windhorse was on NBA Today and said that ESPN executives who moved the Suns game onto ESPN Friday went, you could have told me that yesterday. Right. Like, <laughs> Thanks a lot. Now we got Suns Thunder and campaigns return instead of Kevin Durant. We appreciate it. I mean, get hyped, but I, <laughs> I, yeah, I think they're just covering their bases, honestly, by taking that game because there was no guarantee he was going to play in that game. This is what I said yesterday was like, I think it'll be Friday, but I don't know for sure. And now it's kind of leaning towards more Sunday or Wednesday um, because tomorrow's only their first practice since the All-Star break and they he still hadn't gotten three on three or five on five in the last we had talked to the team. So I, I get the health portion, but... 
if he's okay and it, like you feel confident enough, wouldn't you want him to make his debut at home? Wouldn't you want yeah. him to make his debut on national television, which Friday is ESPN, Sunday is ABC? Like, so, yeah. so, like, it just feels so damn anticlimactic to say, Katie's a debut at Charlotte. So you're going to see it at 5.30 on a Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever. Like, yeah, woo! I, I get that, but, like, their health comes, they got bigger aspirations than making the fans happy about when his debut is. I get that, like, but... They're how on a four-game road trip. It's not like they have the option either. I mean, is it? It's probably more to see how the knee responds to to playing in five on five, right? Mm -hmm. Than than anything, probably. Like, but I don't know. I just for, the marketing guy in me is like, this this is worst case scenario. You you got this <laughs> brand new superstar, and you're gonna unveil him in freaking Charlotte at five thirty <laughs> in Phoenix. You know, like it's. Uh, Woo. I mean, I don't care. I like I, I the thing for me is like you're losing valuable opportunities to get him into the flow, get guys chemistry, figure out your rotation with your full crew. Yeah. Um, but again, like the health thing comes first, so I get it. It it does suck though. There's only twenty two games left in the season and he might miss another one or two before he's back on the court. You have a very limited time to get everybody on the same page, but you gotta do what you gotta do to take care of your best player now. Let me be clear. I understand the <laughs> yeah. reality of it. I'm just <laughs> facetiously saying, wouldn't it be so much nicer to yeah. have a little hype to it? But, you know, find Charlotte Wednesday, 530. <laughs> let's do this, you know? Yeah. You got zero thoughts on this? I had something to say like a couple minutes ago, but now I forgot what it was. So uh, those ticket prices, though, are going to drop for Friday. Are so they, you can use the Game Time app and get yourself some. Yeah. Oh, not until he's officially listed as out. Oh, he's they out. may try to squeeze every last second out of that, not tell you till Friday afternoon. Well, yeah. I mean, Saul did mention it, so I may as well tell you about it. But the Game Time app is the place to get your tickets last minute. And when you buy them last minute, which if you're waiting to find out if Kevin Durant will play or not, that will probably be a last minute thing because they practice tomorrow, but they want to see how it re how he responds to full blown practice. So they probably won't tell you till maybe Friday morning at shoot around. I would say Friday morning, Friday afternoon is a pretty solid procrastination on game time. Like I think that's yeah. a good oh, yeah. a good uh, we, amount of procrastination to get up to sixty percent off your ticket. We have long said you should never buy your tickets until the last hour before the game on the game time app because that's when you save. Real ducats. <laughs> yeah. So if you are looking to check out Friday's game, make sure you download the, the Game Time app. Um, and the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of the show, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any podcast platform that you get your podcast on. The link is in the description of the show. So check it out. Save up to 60% on tickets. You know why they're probably holding them out? They don't want Gerald to be able to go in the locker room and go, hey, Kev, so first game in Phoenix, how do you feel? You know, that's you what it is. <laughs> so yeah, that's the latest on the Kevin Durant front. But um, Gerald, you mentioned the, the biggest thing that kind of would suck about this is just having a few less games to get into a rhythm, mm. figure things out, because that is something the Suns still have to do. There's a lot of moving pieces to this puzzle still. And I don't envy Monty Williams in the position that he's in and trying to make these decisions, one of which, one of the most important ones maybe, being who's the fifth starter. Mm -hmm. 
And I know you wrote about that on gophnext.com today. So if you guys want to check out Gerald's latest article, check that out over there. Again, gophnext.com. But let's have a little bit of a conversation about it. I know last week when games were happening, the bigger name that everyone was throwing out, like, is it official? Josh Okogie is that guy. Mm-hmm. But he's not the only one in the mix that could potentially land that spot. Yeah, I mean, that's I think Akogi is the guy that will most likely win the job. And I think he's the guy that probably should based on just skill set that you want to have in that starting five with those other four guys. But I'm not quite ready to rule out what could happen in terms of Torrey Craig and Terrence Ross. Um, And this is something that I wrote about in the article but if you look at it, like what they were, how they were recruiting him with Monty, with Matt Ishbia, with James Jones, all being actively involved in recruiting him and making him feel wanted, they did promise him a significant role. I don't know if that means a starting role because we saw he was more than capable of coming in off the bench and getting up 17 shots in like 20 some minutes. Um, but he is a guy that if he's in the corner, like we've talked about, when you have to worry about these other four options, He's a guy that if you stick him in the corner, he can knock down threes and make you pay. And Monty did emphasize that like he's better defensively than I think people give him credit for. And then with Craig, he's been the consistent fill-in for Cam Johnson and for Jay Crowder all season. He's been good as a starter. He's shooting 40% from three. The offensive rebounding, the defense, the multi-positional defense, those are all things that can help. Um, but I, I am curious. I, I'm pretty sure everybody here is on the Akogi train for fifth starter. Yeah, I mean, for me, it comes down to just simply go with the hot hand for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does not have to be the starting five you stick with. You can make it, you know, make a change after five games if it's if it's not working. But give the guy who's been playing the best over the last few weeks the opportunity and his defensive upside. Uh, is is very big, and you're going to need that because you're now missing one of the guys that was your defensive stalwart uh, in Mikhail Bridges. So I want to see that lineup when KD comes back, give it a chance, and if a Kogi falls off, then maybe consider Torrey Craig. Uh, I for me, I don't want to see Terrence Ross. I, I want to see him off the bench, mm-hmm. let him shoot as much as he wants off the bench. I don't want to see him taken too many touches away from KD or Book in that starting line. I agree, Espo. I don't think Terrence Ross would be my first choice out of these three guys. He would probably be my third choice yeah. with um, Josh Okoge and Torrey Craig being 1A, 1B, depending on the matchup. I just think Terrence Ross, like like you said, Gerald, yeah, you could put him in the corner and he's going to knock down some shots. That's great. But I think you're going to want some offense coming off the bench. I think mm-hmm. he would be a really solid sixth man for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got so much offensive firepower with that starting unit, unit already. And that's not to say that, like you said, Terrence Ross isn't a bad defender. Mm-hmm. But I still think that Josh Kogi and even Tory Craig might have a leg up on him at least a little bit in that area. I think everybody has this wrong. Yeah? I do. Okay. I have a wild card. Okay. What's your wild card? It's going to sound a little funky because they're not, still not really officially part of the team still. Oh, or so what? you're assuming we're going to still play on the buyout market. No, I think Ish Wainwright should be the oh. fourth. I, I, I think Ish Wainwright should be the, the fifth starter. And the reason why is because um, you don't expect a lot out of him uh, scoring-wise. So he can play a, a perfect role, um, spotting up in the corner, giving you some buckets from from the perimeter. Um, and then defensively, he's no slouch. And mm-hmm. uh, physically, he can match up with the bigger guys uh, that you might have to match up against, against, especially at power forward. It gives you a little bit of versatility. You're not requiring him. That that fifth guy, you don't need a lot from because of who is surrounding him, especially offensively. 
And so you're looking for somebody that's going to aid in funneling guys to the basket um, to, and hopefully, you know, D.A. being able to be the finisher that he was a couple years ago and stopping guys at the rim um, and somebody that can that can be a good uh, funnel for the other four. And so I think Ish Wainwright would be perfect in that one, in that role. And and then you keep your bench as strong as possible with Ross um, and Tory Craig and Josh Akogi and Campaign. Um, so I, I get the sentiment, and I don't know why Espo's watching porn right now, but um, it was our YouTube. Thank oh, you oh okay, much. my bad. It was very upbeat um, music. It was for, very upbeat. It was, it was, it was <laughs> spicy. It's going way fast. So. <laughs> nope. Don't touch that. So, Keep going. So, <laughs> train of thought. Train of thought. Nope. Um, and so yeah, I, I think I think I, I listen. I like Josh Akogi. I think if he was the the fifth starter, cool. Mm. But I'm looking at this more of from a. I want as strong a unit from one to ten as possible. How can I make that happen? I would go with Ish Wainwright. Hopefully, he gets to sign and stay here. So, I mean, Boo Boo Bear in the chat says I really like a Kogi off the bench with all the energy he brings, and I think the bench will lack energy if he starts. I mean, that's a fair point too. He does always play with the most energy. And Josh can he listen? Starting is not the same as finishing. Like no, and and so. if you're talking about um, the end of the game, I think Josh Akogi's probably more likely to be there at the end of the game for key matchups down the stretch when you got to defend guys at a high level. Um, and Ish Wainwright would not be in that role. But if we're talking about starting off a game for the first five to seven minutes, um, and then you know the spot minutes that you would get throughout, I don't see how you can go wrong with Ish. But wouldn't you rather have if you, all you're looking for is a guy to be solid defensively push guys towards DA and be able to hit a, a corner three or two, wouldn't you be better off going Tory Craig, who has bigger game experience, has been in lineups like that, going with with four guys that are stars the, to do the similar role? The, the difference to me is that Tory Craig is far less reliable from three to me than Ish Wainwright. And it, Ish has seen less significantly less minutes um but to me i think for what ish provides especially from a spot up uh, uh standpoint i like his role especially in that corner more than i like tory craig's I don't know. i'm still of the mindset i'm not even sure ish will be on this roster if they just oh true a will barton or somebody serves them better in the long oh, run. and so. I, I honestly with the season that will barton has had i would prefer them keep ish around and I continue would well. to develop um but yeah. i will say like Ish, is Wayne, Ish Wainwright's three-point percentage is misleading because he gets so few attempts. So he's kind of missed a couple in the last handful of weeks, and it's kind of tanked his three-point percentage. I, I agree with you that he's reliable from the corners. I think Craig has done a good job this year. He's shooting 40% from three. Um, but there is that element of sometimes he just makes some baffling decisions with the ball. Like we, There was that one game, I think it was Brooklyn, where the Suns were up by like 10 with a couple minutes left and he committed back-to-back -back bad turnovers that led to Nets buckets. Yeah. And he does that from time to time. Um, I do think playing with that starting five helps mitigate some of that. But my question is, if you're starting Tory or you're starting Ish and you, you're not getting like a point of attack type of defender like a Kogi, where, who are you putting Chris Paul and Devin Booker on? Because one of them is going to have to guard in a playoff series like a Steph Curry or a John Morant or uh, one of those point guards. I don't think – I think a Kogi is better suited for that than either one of those two. But are we still worried about – like I get Chris Paul and being worried about his defense, but are we still 
super concerned about Devin Booker playing defense in a team concept. I'm not. Like I'm, I don't. I'm okay. No, but not. With him but to it's take an assignment. I am. I'm okay with him taking bigger assignments. But if you're having to put like the beautiful thing about McHale was you could put him on star point guards and he could hound the ball and navigate through screens. I don't know that Booker, as much as he's improved defensively and as much as he embraces those challenges, you don't want him on a Ja Morant. Like, you don't want him on these quick, shifty guards like that. I would feel a lot more comfortable with Book in that situation or that with a Kogi in that situation. I mean, but again, but that's why I said, you know, like the beginning of the game is like whatever to me. Like, it, it, the the most important part is the fourth quarter. Like, what what is your lineup looking like in the fourth quarter? And and to to your point, I think Josh Okoge would certainly get most of the minutes defensively mm-hmm. in those fourth quarters, having to chase around a Steph Curry or John Morant or whatever. Um, so that way Booker could could reserve his energy. Plus, look, look at the flexibility from this team right now. Like outside of Da. Who, who can still guard on the perimeter to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of versatility one through four with whoever, whether it be Tori, uh, Josh, Ish, eh, um, and, and that's what you're looking for in the fourth quarter because you're, you're going to switch. Mm. Um, shit, I could even see a scenario where they might opt to go without CP3 and have Josh Kogi in there just for defensive purposes uh, to make sure that there's no liability on the defensive side, mm. especially if they're holding a lead. Um, because you have two other closers on the team. You don't need Chris Paul out there. That's the beauty of Kevin Durant. Right. I I think we might all be right. Hmm. I think this could be a situation where Monty goes matchup dependent, where if you're playing a team like uh, a Mavs, you have a guy like Ish Wainwright out there who can help body up and and switch and and give you a little bit more size. If you're playing or a Pelicans team, you're playing somebody – with smaller people, people that you got to worry about, like a, a Memphis, it's it's a Kogi. I mean, maybe there's with Monty, nothing shocks me with this kind of stuff. You know, we he went so matchup dependent mm-hmm. with you know throughout this season at times that maybe he views that that is a possibility. But too. wasn't that something that we kind of knocked him for yes. throughout the season as well? Like, why yes. are you why are you changing your game plan? for the other opponent instead of sticking to what you're best at. Lindsay, I didn't say it was the right move. I just said we all may be right <laughs> because of what Monty has done. It's a double-edged Fair. sword Fair. with Monty because I feel like <laughs> when other coaches make adjustments to certain playoff matchups or what a playoff series is doing, it's, oh, okay, they made a great adjustment. With its When it's Monty, it's like, why does he keep tailoring what he's doing to what the opponent is doing? I think there's some truth to both sides on that, yeah. honestly. But Monty did say the other night when he played like 12 guys, he was like, I've got to get this rotation down to about nine and a half, maybe 10 in case of emergency. Um, and I think that involves picking a starter and sticking with them and trying to build that chemistry because you only have 20 some games and KD is apparently going to miss the first one or two out of the break to build that chemistry before a playoff run. That's hard to do if you're kind of changing your starting lineup on a night-to-night basis. I think there's some room to experiment and say, okay, let's try Tori, let's try Josh. But at some at a certain point, you have to pick one and kind of stick with it. And I do worry, like, if you bring a Kogi off the bench, okay, you've already got Damian Lee at that spot, Landry Shamit coming back from injury. I don't think he's going to get minutes at this point. But that's three guys at that same position. And maybe Abel Nadering. Don't you doubt money. Like if you're if you're playing campaign and Josh Akogi and Damian Lee 
and possibly trying to squeeze in Landry Shamit. That's a very undersized. Also, bench don't unit. forget about T.J. Warren now too. Right. He oh, he shit. can he can at least play the three or the four. But like, I completely forgot about T.J. and Warren. Terrence Ross. Like Is those there, are all guys that play the two, maybe well, the three. You, you may go an all switchable lineup in that second unit, or a four four switchable guys and and, and a center yeah. like Jock. You know, like yeah. that that may be what that second unit becomes, where where it's a lot of. Six, seven, six, eight guys you know, that that can can switch and do a lot of things, you know, and have similar offensive set uh, skill sets. I, mean, I, I for one, am looking forward to the thirty-minute Landry Shamit first game back. <laughs> I, uh, I really am. Okay, but do you guys think we're actually going to see any Baisley at all? No, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think he's a little too raw for what their playoff ambitions are, especially offensively. He, if they need a small ball five and a pinch a guy with athleticism, maybe they, you know, dust him off in case of emergency. But other than that, I don't think he's polished enough. Like he was, his minutes were kind of fading with the Oklahoma city thunder who are a team that's below 500. I, I don't see him cracking this rotation. Yeah, but this year. Friday revenge game. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool. Let's 14 go. blocks from base. Let's go. <laughs> Let him play the whole game. Um, okay. We have a couple questions from the chat. Zach said, could they give that last spot to Saban Lee? Is there any potential Saban Lee gets converted over Ish Wainwright in it'd, your mind? It'd be kind of messed up, but it's not impossible just because their only other backup ball handler is campaign. I do think the need for Saban Lee is a little less now that campaign is coming back and they've had, you know, Damian Lee, Josh Akogi initiate offense. And they just added Kevin Durant, who initiates a ton of offense. So I don't think it's as necessary to have that third ball handler as it was maybe a month ago. There's a lot of great comments in the chat. I just want to let you all know that I've acknowledged them and I've seen them. Uh, but a lot of you guys have mentioned the same things that you guys are talking about, about just the versatility really is the common theme that you're seeing because everybody has a different take on who should be the fifth starter or who should be coming off the bench and all this stuff. The problem is, is that we, we literally went from a, a point where we were kind of curious and wondering about does this bench have enough mm. to now it feels like uh, I don't feel like it's an elite bench, but I feel like it's good enough to hold the fort from break to break when mm. you're trying to substitute out your superstars. Um, and so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, when you have four starters like the Suns do that are, are really great, I'm not sure that you need an elite bench. You need a, a bench of guys that know how to play their role uh, and do do the little things. And I think you've got that with this group. And in all likelihood, you're not going to see five bench guys all at the same time. You're going to see no. one of one of those four starters, you know, one of the four main starters out there with with the bench unit. You're going to stagger things. Mm -hmm. So uh, this there's a lot that money has to figure out in a short period of time, but it's better than having absolutely no options to try to figure out in this situation. Yeah, the, the staggering thing is going to be key. If there's not one or two of the core four on the court at all times during the playoffs, like there better be foul trouble or something yeah. went wrong there. Um, and that's kind of why I think the starting conversation, like obviously it matters more who's finishing games, and I think that's dependent on matchup, who's playing well in a given playoff game. But come playoff time, the starters are going to be logging anywhere from 35 to 40 minutes. So it is something worth thinking about in terms of fit and what you want to get out of that fifth starting spot. I also think about who I would like to party with. Because if we win the championship, <laughs> I want to know who I'm standing next to to squirt champagne on. You gotta, br <laughs> you gotta bring Frank Kaminsky back if we're talking who you want to party with. I feel like uh, that guy could have a good. Who time. is Frank Kaminsky? What? 
<laughs> Who is Frank Comiskey? Oh, no. To me. He's dead oh, to you. No. All right, Gerald, back to your point of uh, <laughs> one or two guys from that starting unit playing mm. with the guys coming off the bench. Who do you guys think the best case scenario is to have, if we've, if it's just one guy, let's say, mm. Book or KD or CP? To or, what? or other. To what? To have that one starter in with the four guys off the bench. If it's just one guy. Oh, the opposite. If, if it's just one guy, who would that best scenario guy be? I KD. think probably Book or KD, yeah. I think either one of those are capable <laughs> or CP. of anchoring. <laughs> yeah, truthfully, you have like three great I options. I wanted to just pick one. One. Pick one. I mean, singular. If I have to pick one, I'll pick KD because he's the best player on the <laughs> roster now. But like either Book or KD, they can anchor a bench-heavy unit. Um, but I do think there is something to staggering it to where Chris Paul can run some offense with DA and put shooters around them. I think there's mm -hmm. something to letting those two rest and having KD oh and God, or book yes. out there. Like they have so many options. Let's go CP. Let's go DA. Let's go Landry. Let's go Damien. Oh, and let's go ish. Fuck. Yeah. Light it up from the outside. Young fellas. <laughs> mm -hmm. I look, I, I like the idea of, uh, of Chris Paul potentially with the bench, but Devin Booker, Mm -hmm. leading the charge with a bench unit sometimes where he can still be the guy on offense because when he's out there with KD, it's going to dramatically change the way he is offensively. He's not going to be the only guy that's going to dominate at times. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to give him some opportunity to shine on his own as well, being out there with with the bench and maybe one other starter and give him some time to be that that focal point as well. Liz in the chat said, is Jock still here? Yes. That's a great question as well, or at least a topic to lead to a question. Who's your your second big? It's Jock. I think you go with Jock because he's more of a rhythm player. He needs to get those consistent reps to be able to perform. Biz is a guy that you can throw him in in any situation, mm -hmm. and he's going to be ready to produce for you. Um, so I think that honestly works at his disadvantage in this case. Um, but I do think like we saw last week, he was kind of getting pushed around. So Monty turned to biz who's a little bit stronger and more athletic and that helped counter it. So I, I do think that of all of the bench questions is going to be more matchup dependent. It is absolutely a million percent matchup dependent for sure. Like if we're playing the warriors, you're probably more apt to have jock out there just because they, they don't have the, the length and power down low mm -hmm. that a lot of that some other teams have. If you're playing a team like Jokic um, and you need that flexibility, especially at the rim, uh, then, yeah, you probably opt for Biz. Um, biz defensively is 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 the better play. And then offensively, it's Jock. Like, and so... It, it, Only it, you could it, just mesh the two. Yeah, right? Just, <laughs> just, just stack them on top yeah, of each other. You know, maybe we should ask Jock that when he comes back. The really back. big long trench coat. Like, Jock, for real, Like, which one would you do? <laughs> Jock, would you uh, put I'd yourself in the second? I'd bench myself. Yeah. <laughs> I really like what Biz brings to the table. Me, uh, not so much. Yeah. Not so much. Did you see me last game? <laughs> well, we'll be we'll be back at it here in just a few days. Thank goodness, Suns basketball is just around the corner yeah, to finally be back in action. I didn't realize I like forgot half the roster in the last five days. It's we crazy. have a lot of guys now. <laughs> it's crazy. Just like all the new faces. But then if you fully check out, cause I checked out last weekend, like fully checked out, <laughs> did not get on my phone whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, hold on. I feel like I forgot a whole bunch of yeah, things. Yeah. So we got to, this is, this is like ramping. This is basically like our preseason re re-ramping back up. Right. 
to yeah. get into mid-season form. I love that somebody in the chat thought I chased Kevin Love away. I'm not sure how I did that. It's but, always your fault, you know, but I thought fine. you just knew that by now. I, I mean, I probably shouldn't have put in that call <laughs> begging him to come to Phoenix, but you know. It's you. You're the but problem. <laughs> Suns basketball, back on Friday. Make sure you guys are prepared and ready to go for the action by picking up some Four Peaks beer to enjoy with your Suns basketball games. They go hand in hand. Sports, especially Suns basketball, is Always heighten when you have a nice, tasty, cold beverage from Four Peaks I on hand as Jared's well. Voice out of my head when you now that we're okay. doing <laughs> Four okay. Peaks. Okay. No. <laughs> Four Peaks is not bad. It's real good. <laughs> uh, see, I can't do it. It's just the country again. Always country. Get high. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Uh, but this weekend, Four Peaks is having a really cool thing happening down at their pub in Tempe. It's the Beer Can Derby. It's on February twenty fifth. Again, at Four Peaks, 8th Street Pub in Tempe. Kit pickups are open now, so if you want to show that you got the fastest beer can in the Valley, sign up through fourpeaks.com slash events. You do have to be 21 years or older to enjoy Four Peaks beer, and we ask you enjoy responsibly. But if you go to this event, I need pictures. I need videos. Mm -hmm. I really want to see what happens, because this sounds like so much fun. So much fun. Speaking of enjoying, you know, we're all sitting around waiting for the big KD debut but it's 50-50 on when it's actually going to pop up and happen. But don't worry, though. We're not alone. 50% of men have to sit around wondering when their big KD will show up as well. The anticipation is half the fun, but no one wants to be completely disappointed. Isn't that right? I mean, they want to have a high-scoring affair. Isn't that what we all want? We're all just waiting for our big KD to show up. And if you're waiting for your big KD to show up, but you need a little help. No. Our friends at Roman have you I taken care of, all right? I don't understand no. this one. Your big KD? No. Like, don't repeat it, <laughs> Just, just take the K out, and you're going to understand. No. <laughs> Our friends at Roman are here to help, all right? They've got discreet packaging. They've got doctors uh, waiting to help you out. They will mail whatever medication it is that you need ED, whatever whatever you need, they're going to take care of you in that discreet packaging. If your package is discreet, don't worry. Roman's here for you. They're going to take care of you. And so uh, that's that's really what this is about, is making sure that all of you are ready for your big moment, like for there's... your big debut, so you can score 70 down low, all right? Or maybe one less. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> I hope Kevin Durant never <laughs> ever sees this. I was really waiting for the grower shore reference. I, so no, that's all don't put ideas in his head. That's, that's, it, that's not coming. <laughs> that's what she said. Anyways, all right, make sure to go over to our friends at Roman uh, and take care of your needs this uh, this year and uh, your significant other's needs. That's uh, Roman, and you can go to uh, ro.co slash phnx to take care of things. Uh, to learn more about how you can achieve your personal sexual health goals, that's right. Go to ro.co slash phnx to get 20% off your entire order to get 20% more for your significant other. Yeah, off your first order. So, check, I mean, real talk, though, out. real talk. I think one of the cool things about Roman is that you it, it's 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 for 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 guys to to be able to ask questions and find out information about things that are not comfortable to talk about. And so I think that's a really cool thing. I just wanted to throw that out there. Mm -hmm. I do too. No, look, we, we have fun with these ad reads, but it is a serious subject that 
uh, that some guys are, are afraid to ask. They don't want to go to a doctor and actually have that that conversation. Roman gives you a way to do that and feel comfortable and the discreet packaging that it comes in, your neighbors ain't going to be snooping when you go to the mailbox going, oh, what's going on with you? you know? I mean, I, first of all, I, I do I kind of want to know who out there is putting it in crazy packaging? <laughs> well, <laughs> what are we seeing okay. out there? If there's another brand that's well known in that space that has their logo on it, your neighbor's going to know what's going on. I'm just pulling something out of the mailbox and all of a sudden something just goes ding. Fireworks like, shoot off. <laughs> <laughs> it just says penis pills in big letters on the packaging, right? You don't want that. I mean, so you're, you know, you, you don't Karen, want that. As you always know, got needs, okay? <laughs> don't judge me. Hey, um, hey I got problems. Let's talk about no. some things we saw on the internet this week. First and foremost, this one from Valley Sports and our friend Scoop B. Uh, he talked to Charles Barkley and Barkley did not hold back. He said uh, he called him a little baby. Which I think is kind of rude. We have the video, baby. right? Go ahead, play it. We're glad to have him in Phoenix, and I hope that he can uh, bring a championship to Phoenix. It'd be great. I mean, I live there. If they could win the championship, but he's a great player. You know, he's a little baby a lot of times, but he's a great player, and I hope they do get it done in Phoenix. Is he a great player? Yes. I couldn't tell. Uh, he's a little baby, though. He's a little baby. Sometimes. <laughs> I, Sometimes. Look, I personally love times. this this beef now that KD is in Phoenix because it just becomes petty at this point, right? Because Chuck, as much as he loves the Suns, can't want KD to win a championship in the city that Why? you couldn't get it done in because then it's like all this trash he's talked about KD and KD goes, yeah, well, I came to the city and I got them a championship and your you sorry ass do. didn't. So an yeah. end, of, end of argument right well, there. It's not, though. It's not. And I don't think Charles should take it that way because he literally didn't play with any other Hall of Famers on, on the squad, right? I don't think he should take it that way either, but it wouldn't surprise but, me if he feels well, but, some type but, but, of way about it. But what I'm saying it. is, is like Barkley, Barkley shouldn't put himself in that category because literally he was, he, first of all, when he lost the finals, he lost it against the best player of all time. And you can argue that whatever, but he also had one of the best defensive and all around players of all time on his team too. Mm. Those two were going up against Charles Barkley and a bunch of good, good oh. players, but not Hall of Fame worthy okay, players. Okay, that's fair on that. In and so he's going to be playing with two other. I mean, Booker's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. CP3 certainly is already a Hall of Famer. Um, and then you have KD, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, and you don't even know what DA might do down the road. I mean, that that's fair if you're looking at 92, 93. But the two following years, Barkley should have been the best player in the league with Jordan gone. Barkley should have led this team. To the finals. He had a 3-1 lead against Houston, who was the eventual champion. And everything that has been lore about that time since is Charles didn't take it seriously. Charles went out to drink. Charles didn't didn't actually buckle down to win that series. And look, I'm one of the biggest Charles Barkley fans in the world, but the reality is he didn't get it done. And you talk about playing with Hall of Famers. His first playoff run in in Philly, he had Moses Malone. When he went to Houston, he had he had Hall of Famers around him. 
at the tail end. But <laughs> like, look, I mean, but CP3, the I mean, only definite Moses Hall of Famer Malone on the was Suns. like the Celtics version of Shaq oh, at that okay, point. Okay, but look, I mean, CP3 ain't exactly uh, CP3, and he's the only surefire Hall of Famer on this Suns roster right now that isn't named Kevin Durant. So I just I feel like. This argument just becomes very petty in a lot of ways at this point, which is entertaining. This is going to be fun because Suns games will be on TNT in the playoffs, and Chuck's not going to back off this shit, uh, and it's going to be entertaining. And that's that's part of what we want. This is show for part of it. I mean, you know, and and Chuck's not wrong in in his assessment on what KD wasn't able to do in in Brooklyn, and that he had a whole hell of a lot of help in Golden State. But this is this is KD's opportunity. Uh, to to shut up some of the critics. Yeah, it is. I, I just I don't like diminishing either one to back either one's points. I think Chuck was off base in some of the things that he said about Kevin Durant's legacy and how like the two titles. This is something that a lot of people have said about KD. Like the two titles in Golden State don't count, or they're diminished somehow. Even though he was the best player on either team in those series. Like I, I just. I have a problem with that, especially now that Kevin Durant is here. Like nobody Suns related should be trying to diminish that man's accomplishments, mm-hmm. um, especially because like he said at the press conference when we asked him about what it would mean to win a title here, he said he knows what goes into it, what it can do for a franchise in a city. Um, and his focus is to prove himself here in a Suns jersey. I think that matters. I also don't think like... I, I hate this beef because they're two players that I really like. And Charles Barkley, like what he did for the city in a very short amount of time here was remarkable. Like until Kevin Durant arrived, he was the most talented player to ever wear a son's jersey. So for me, it's it's one of those things that I just like kind of try to ignore and pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> like the beef, because I, I just I, I have a problem with both sides of the equation. I, I, I think one of the things that, that I do... I agree with you, Gerald, in that we don't need to diminish one if we want to praise mm-hmm. another, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of the same thing with like the the MJ and LeBron argument: who's mm-hmm. who's greater? Like or, or the book they, 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 they Yeah, I mean, they they both can be great or both be awful. Like, <laughs> I mean, like it's just it is what it is, right? Uh, but one of the things that I will say about KD and. I don't know if I really quite realize this because I, I don't think I've ever really watched one of his press conferences at, uh, upon arrival, like to Brooklyn or to Golden State. Mm-hmm. Um, but he immediately went into my top five based off of what he said about just the process of getting better at the game of basketball and truly loving the game. Mm-hmm. When he said that, honestly, it's going to piss a lot of people off, but I stopped caring so much about the importance of the ring mm-hmm. because I knew he was, I know he's going to give the game his very best shot. Yeah. yeah. I know he's going to put in the work to do everything he possibly can to win us a championship and hold everybody else accountable to do that as well. You can't help but walk into the gym and the guys have already talked about this, mm-hmm. about walking in the gym and seeing KD already in there, putting in the work, like trying to get better. And, and it's about the process, every small little detail, making sure everything is is going the way that you practice and and, and play for. Um, so I, for one, uh, respect KD so much more than I think I ever did before. Um, and I have a lot of confidence that 
we're going to see the very best of this Suns team at some point uh, based off of the preparation and the work that they're all putting into this. A lot of players, a lot of great players um, play the game and they play it at a very high level. Um, some of them can't stand the test of time for more than five to eight years because they don't see it this, the same way as Ke- Kevin Durant. They don't see it the same way as maybe LeBron or Kobe or, or MJ or any of those guys or Book. Um, they see it in a different uh, context. And so their their light shines just a little bit shorter and a little dimmer, even though at some point they, they do have maybe the brightest light. KD is one of those ones that kind of stands the test of time. KD could literally play in any era of basketball because he's just about ball. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this. So in regards to Chuck and to KD, if KD wins one, I'm not going to look at Chuck any differently and say, oh, well, you couldn't do this. And I think a majority of fans don't give a shit. No. They don't They don't care about that. And for Charles, I hope he. I hope if they do win the championship, he celebrates it like we all do. And I feel like he will. Yeah. I don't feel like he's going to hold a grudge and I don't feel like he's going to besmirch a championship ring because KD was finally the one to get it done and we should celebrate that. And he's he's not a guy that's afraid of saying, "Hey, I was wrong." Kind of I mean, he's Sometimes he's I feel like times. Charles lets his intrusive thoughts just lead. Oh, uh, right. yes. Like I mean, his how he goes about like we all think ridiculous shit sometimes. But we think it, and then we're like, maybe not. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't sometimes think he, has he that just filter. says it, and then it's like, oh, okay, I said it. I, th- I think you brought up an interesting point, though, Saul, because I think back to, and I, I wasn't obviously wasn't there in person uh, and didn't watch it live, but I've seen footage of Barkley's introduction press conference, and it's kind of a lot of bluster. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a typical Chuck. You go back to Shaq coming here and pointing at his ring finger mm-hmm. and all this bluster and and everything. And I was very impressed with KD that it was just it was humble. It's as humble as you can be when you're one of the best right. ever play. I mean, but it was I'm here to do a job. I love this game. I love the, the way that these guys want to approach this game. And I'm going to come out here and I'm going to do whatever I can to try to win. I mean, it says something uh, about an individual that he would literally almost come to tears talking about Brooklyn because I feel like to some degree. He feels like he let the game down mm-hmm. and that he wasn't able to live up uh, to the hype, but also he wasn't able to lift those other two players to get to his level to be able to achieve everything that they hoped they would achieve when they all three got to to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I think he feels like, I, I don't know, KD just seems like a different dude to me now, and I really appreciate him. And, dude, I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a son that I root for more hard then KD to win a championship, not even because of us. It's just because I know he cares, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what we all want. We want our we want our athletes to care as much as we do because we're on a fucking podcast on a three o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon, week day after day, talking about a team that we absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And and some somebody mentioned it earlier the amount of fucking trade machine Tuesdays that we had to oh do to oh, get to this point. Oh my god! I think the trade machine is broken now. Like, Never oh, no. again. It'll be back this summer. Don't Never you worry. Again. So I Emma I, and I have PTSD <laughs> from trade machine Tuesdays. So, so I. I just, I really love KD and I really just, I like, I fucking want to win and I want him to win because I know he cares as much as we do. Yeah. I have one other thing on the Barkley KD thing. Is there a chance it's just performative art? Because yes. these are two guys that very much understand the drama of the game, understand the 
art of of trolling and going back and forth. Part of me wonders, is this more of a wink, wink? We're going to have some go back and forth a bit on this. But both have a respect deep down for I'm each sure other. I'm sure they both respect each other deep down for sure. I would say maybe on Charles's side, but not so much on Kevin yeah. Durant's side. I don't. Yeah, I think fair. KD, when he claps back or says something on social media, he genuinely has put thought behind it and truly believes what he's saying. Mm. Like when he calls out Shaq for being outrageous or whatever. Yeah, um, I think for Barkley, though, a lot of it could be... I know this will get clicks. I know this is good for my brand. I know this is good for my employer's brand, things of that nature. Maybe, I think he kind of motivates t- another toes the and... line a little bit sometimes with some hot takes to yeah. stay relevant. And, and Chuck doesn't give a shit either. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't no. care what he says because no. he can go on TV and make people laugh and change his mind or further like dig in the ground and yeah. stick with what he says. But I think with Kevin Durant, he is a guy who hears all the shit that's been said about him, how he ruined the league by going to Golden State, how his titles don't count, how his experiment in Brooklyn that he helped orchestrate failed. I think that's the Kevin Durant that we saw, a guy that, like Saul said, he just wants to go and hoop. He wants to win championships. And I don't. I think when you have a guy like Chuck, who's a national figurehead, who is saying these things on national TV every night and the casual viewers hearing them day in and day out, it can get a little tiresome. Uh, Jose in the chat said, no Booker CP love? Come on. They've been here longer and they don't have a thing. Pom-poms flying everywhere for this guy. Well, the topic was CP, uh, Charles Barkley and KD. That's why we're talking about KD. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. There has never been a place where Kevin Durant has gone where there has been as as little drama as possible mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, They're all like, cut from the same cloth. Yeah, that way. yeah CP, pretty mm-hmm. quiet superstar. Uh, Devin Booker, definitely a quiet superstar, doesn't go out there, doesn't put his brand out there very much, uh, except when he's calculated about it. Like, he doesn't fuck up. He just doesn't. Like, I haven't, I can't remember if, if Booker's ever fucked up in terms of social media, clapping back at somebody, saying the wrong thing. He hasn't done it. Like, he just is, he, he's as humble a superstar as you're going to come across. Kevin Durant, I think we all had this impression of what Kevin Durant was prior to him coming here and then again that opening press conference just left such an impact um that it's okay to praise him and and say like i i appreciate the mindset and the mentality that he has um that doesn't mean that's degrading the other two because the other two are equally as great and phenomenal at what they've done and devin booker's done so much to try and be a part of this valley and cp3 has tried to do so much he he could to try and win a championship, it just hasn't clicked mm. and it hasn't happened. Well, we're hoping KD is going to change that. So that's why right. we're praising KD. Right and, and I mean, like aside from like book is obviously the son that I think most people would want to see win a title because mm-hmm. he's been here. He's the face yeah. of the franchise. And then like, but after that, like CP is probably next on my list just because he hasn't won one yet. Mm-hmm. It would be really cool to see him finally get over that hump and cement his place. It should already be there as one of the top three point guards of all time, but fully do it in terms of legacy and achievements kevin durant would be amazing just because he gets to rewrite some of that narrative about how oh it was only because he was on a super team and he joined a 70 win team that he was able to ball out like that like no he's balled out everywhere technically he did just join a 64 win team from last year (laughs) but that's the thing that people always forget is like you have to lose players from that team to make it work like obviously the warriors are a little bit different because they still had their big three and, but the Suns, they lost two of their four best players to make it happen. Like, And people 
always have that double standard of like, oh, we don't take the Suns seriously as title contenders. But now that it's convenient that we can diminish KD, we're going to say, oh, they were a, they were a super team. I like that. Pick I pulled one. that ripcord on accident. Sorry. Well, no, it's not even you. It's <laughs> it's that we continually to see that the Suns are dismissed as a real title threat. And then as soon as Kevin Durant joins, it's like, oh, well, they have they better win. They have a super team now. Like. Where was the super team top before? Kevin Durant is the super team. It's well, so stupid. I hate the narrative that if he doesn't win it this year, this is this is a massive disappointment. Now, would I love love to see them win it? Yes, of course. But the reality is, he's coming in with twenty games left in the regular season, and they got to figure it out. I think next year is the more likely uh, for them to be the the hands down favorite to win a title because you'll have. This year that he gets ingrained, training camp, all those things, uh, you know. So I think it's great if he wins one this year. It, they have to win it next year to to prove the value of the I, deal. I I don't know if um if it's going to be said, but I think they have to win it this year, not because I want them to, and not because I don't think they'll they'll win the next year. It's because I genuinely don't know what Chris Paul is going to do after this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I think if they won it. I think he'd be done. I think he would retire, and I think he'd hang it up. But I can't even – I mean, shit. I Can you guys remember a player or athlete who finally won one in like year – what's he, in 18, 19, 20 right now? Mm-hmm. Like finally got to the end of his career and finally got it done and still – It'd be super And emotional. still be like a, a viable part of that, not just like, uh, you know, like some guy Payton. that came on yeah, the heat. Like, yeah, that doesn't yeah. – to me, that's like, okay, that's cool. Not that it doesn't count, but it's not the same right. as a as a still a starter in the NBA playing mm-hmm. at a high level. Like I, I'm trying to think of one and the I can't really think of The closest you can get is probably Jason Kidd and it's nowhere near to the same degree yeah. on the Mavs because he was older and he was still starting and was – he played a key yeah. role on that Sean team. Sean Marion on that team but, as well. But not yeah. like not like a Chris Paul would be in no. this case. It's kind of unprecedented yeah, I feel like. What you're forgetting, Saul, is when CP retires, Kyrie's here next year. So Stop it. Anyways, Lindsay. Stop yeah. it. You think he's joking? <laughs> We're not going to go down that road. Not for this show. Said the love that last in that as well. <laughs> but we have talked a lot about rings in this um, conversation. That's well, because we got a really big team. And I mean, some really big rings. There was something that I saw again on the internet oh, this week. This one from Raheem Palmer mm-hmm. that said the NBA's biggest problem is that everyone is convinced that the only thing that matters is championships. The attitude is basically F the regular season, all-star game, dunk contest, the fans, <laughs> and the money they spend or the time they spend caring. It's all about championship or bust. So obviously we talked about maybe Charles Barkley feeling some type of way. We talk about the shade that he gets from Shaq for not winning a ring. Mm-hmm. We talked about how important it is like solidifying Chris Paul's career by winning a ring. When... Did this become like the narrative? When did this become the number one thing that defines somebody's career and how do we fix it? It always has been. And I don't think you need to fix it because the the whole the whole point of this business is to be the last team standing. And I understand one of 30 teams get it done, right? Mm. But that's what everybody's striving for. Now, we've gotten a little crazy that it completely diminishes a guy's career. But it should always all be about the ring. That's the goal. That's what you're all striving for. If you go into a season and you're like, 
oh, well, our goal isn't to win a title. Well, then you're doing a disservice to well, your fans. Yeah, of course. You know? The goal is always to win a championship. But I'm talking like it has gotten <clears> to the <throat> point, to, in my opinion, it feels like if you don't accomplish that ultimate goal of winning a championship, your career is now less than somebody else <laughs> who did win a championship, even if they were like, a role player on that team yeah. Yeah. in some people's eyes. And I don't think that's fair. And that's that, that's what I'm saying. When did it get to the point where we can now sit there and talk shit about Charles Barkley or if Chris Paul doesn't end up getting it done and say their career is less than this guy yeah. over here because they didn't win a championship when Chris Paul is one of the best to ever <laughs> yeah, play this game it, in his role. It depends on the tier you're talking about. When you get to the top of the top, that is what's going to separate guys right yes i mean and and that's why like you're not talking about gary payton and cp3 because gary payton won that ring with the heat like you guys were talking about you're talking about the difference between jason kidd and a cp3 oh he's already better than jason kidd but but that's where the that's where the arguments are going to be or a magic johnson Mm. and a cp3 well, that's like, not even close. You but know, yeah. but, but like, <laughs> I mean, th- this is where the arguments will be. Is right. in these greats of the game, the ring makes a difference in in people's minds because when you're blessed with some of the best talent to ever be in the league, and you don't get it done, but the guy that's maybe two spots below you on some kind of ranking. Uh, of the best ever did get it done that's where the argument i think it depends on what argument you're trying to make like if you're trying to make an argument between just regular good players from different eras uh, sure you could throw the ring in there and that's fine when you're talking about the elite as as espo said that matters but the other thing that matters is um the 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 journey the journey that Mm -hmm. that you're going on to try and get some of these things done and win a championship at these levels. Um, and if your journey was filled with shortcuts, um, load managing for three or four games because you just want to save yourself for the playoffs, even though you're healthy, you know, things like that, that's when that's when the championship argument for me falls shallow. It's like, okay, well, you load manage yourself. But meanwhile, like in, in different eras, guys were playing 70, 75 games a year and they were injured and then they were still finding ways to win championships. Like I get the load management <clears throat> to a degree, but I also think that there's something about guys that respect and embrace um, what the NBA is mm-hmm. and what it should represent to to all of the fans and the amount of time and effort that they put into it. Um, so I don't feel like the ring is the only argument. It is the key argument, but I think there's other arguments that can that can poke holes in other other people's legacies um, and bring them down a notch in in order to really rack and stack people accordingly. In my opinion, right? I, I think rings are something that need to be look at looked at just like the other accolades, like all stars, all NBA. But do all stars even awards. should all stars even count anymore? I think that they should. I if think they that don't, I think the NBA taken seriously anymore. Then why would that? But that's count? what I'm saying. They need to revamp the All Star Game so that it matters because it's going to continue to matter how many times that shows up. Because like Saul's saying, the journey, the popularity, the just being an ambassador of the game is what being an All Star is all about. So it should matter. They need to revamp it. But my point is, like, it should be one of those accolades that is not the end all be all. Because we've talked about when we talked about would you rather have Charles Barkley's career or Robert Ory's like Robert Ory was a role player true and true 
but he won titles. So some people are crazy enough to would rather have Robert Ory's career. And for me, I'd rather live as an all-time great who has that asterisk, that Mm -hmm. what if, that slightly separates him from being in the Pantheon. And I think for a guy like Chris Paul, who is on the cusp and just has that one last achievement to get in there, like that, it does matter, but it's only when you get to that Pantheon. And I, and I do think like it shouldn't be like, this is a team sport. You can't help, especially before the era of player empowerment. Sometimes you couldn't help what team you're on, what team you get drafted to. Like what if you get traded for a guy that comes in and suddenly that team wins a title, it makes you look bad. Like those are things that are completely out of your control. Um, So I, I do think the championship thing matters, but for a guy like a Chris Paul, it shouldn't matter as much. It's just the last barrier to getting him into the elite of the elite. Well, I mean, does anybody really argue that Chris Paul isn't one of the greatest of all time? No, they do. Ring, they do. I mean, Some I, people are saying Jason Kidd had a better career than Chris Paul because he had a ring that he won late in his career in Dallas. Yeah, as I, opposed to Chris Paul, who is like I would only put Magic and Steph definitively above him. Isaiah Thomas, you could make an argument, but like other than that, I wouldn't have a single other point guard yeah. that I'd rather have than Chris Paul. One I find John Stockton, no. No. Longevity. Stop That's it. why stop well, it. Stop it. That's a crazy comment, Saul. You know what else is crazy? Roman. Younger <laughs> players or up and coming players to former players yeah. as well. Though that'll be used against them in those arguments. Mm-hmm. The one that I always found fascinating was the Dirk Charles Barkley power forward debate. And I think the ring makes a difference there because they were very mm-hmm. close in yeah. talent. Dirk found a way to get a team that that wasn't a super team by any mm-hmm stretch of the imagination over the hump. And I think that makes a difference in that argument. Well, the other difference in our argument is, um, you know, Dirk revolutionized the power forward position. Um, he was the he was one of the best stretch fours in NBA history, mm-hmm. um, if not the best. And then you look at Charles Barkley, and he kind of revolutionized the game in, in a different way because of his size and power and stature at the time when he was at his peak, like nobody, I don't give a shit what anybody says on, on the board. If they say he's six, seven, whatever six, that dude is six foot four and every bit of it. And, and just dominating guys like Carl Malone and Hakeem Olajuwon out rebounding those guys. Like it is. So they were both great in the respective mm-hmm. uh, errors, but um, the ring does matter. And yeah. it is a separator. It is a separator. It's not the determining factor. Yeah. Right. I agree. I just think it matters too much at this point in time. For but some Musab people, in yeah. the chat. Musab, you got it right. Said it's all about having fun and making friends along the way. It is the only <laughs> argument I will use for <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan. He didn't make friends along the way. He did no, not. I mean, no, I mean, like he's got six rings, oh, oh, okay. six finals MVPs. <laughs> all right. We've got uh, some more stuff for you guys. But first, more furniture. Yes, we got to tell you about our friends over at More Furniture. They help provide a lot of the furniture for our studio and offices here at PHNX. And we thank them very much so for all of that because it is incredibly comfortable, especially in our little viewing area, the recliners that we got from More Furniture, hands down the best chairs that we have in this entire office. They've got cup holders. They got phone chargers. You can recline. They got a little headrest that you can make more 
plump or flat, depending on what your preference is. You feel, you know, like if you like your pillows a little bit softer or a little bit harder, oh, I know all we that were, kind of stuff. I thought we were going yeah. back to a Roman Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, they also have white glove delivery, which makes the delivery process so much better because they take care of all the heavy lifting, literally and figuratively. You can save big on the best furniture in the Valley when you head to morefurniture.com. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook app, one of our favorite apps here at PHNX. We always end up getting into arguments these days about <laughs> whose pick is the best pick on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Thank God basketball is coming back so we can argue some more. If you guys have not already, be, be sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and get your friends to download it, download it as well so that you can create arguments within your friend group as well. But make sure you all use that promo code PHNX because... New customers who sign up using that promo code can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Again, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm coming for you, Saul. I'm coming for you on that top spot on our leaderboard with our DraftKings <laughs> picks, just so you know. Dreaming is free. It is. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm only probably going to keep the same energy through tomorrow, Friday, and then I'll be tired again. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I have plans but to watch stay out on third. Friday. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. The last thing we have for you guys that we saw on the internet this week is a tweet from Gambo over at Arizona Sports. He said, will be interesting to see if Matt Ishbia follows up on some plans that were put in place before Robert Sarver was suspended. Those include year-long effort to honor Jerry Colangelo. The Central Pavilion was to be renamed Colangelo Hall with a video wall playing highlights of his role in nurturing professional sports in Arizona. The project, which included a large video ring showing footage of the Suns Ring of Honor members, was to be unveiled near the start of the season with the induction of Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion into the ring. So this was an interesting <coughs> kind of nugget of information. One, because I feel like it was just sort of like Robert Tarver's long and gone. Matt Ishbia is at, is leading this franchise now. Let's, let's bygone be bygones. Um, I didn't love that. But I also feel like Matt Ishbia should be able to come in and make decisions based on how he feels the fan base should um, be represented as far as who they want in the ring of honor or what they're wanting to see from the ring of honor within that building. Um, he also said in an article and in his introductory press conference that he called Jerry Colangelo during the wholesale process. So, you know, those relationships are being built and fostered already. Um, I just would like to give him the grace to be able to move forward in ways that he feels best, we, not following in the footsteps of whoever came before. We are two weeks, two weeks removed from mm -hmm. him being the new owner of the Suns. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're already, you know, like I, like I, I know Gambo has information that some of us don't. That's cool. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to degrade this, but I will also say like, it is Matt Ishbia's franchise. And unless it's written in a contract or on paper, it don't matter. It just don't matter. Uh, and Matt Ishbia, I have 0.01% of a doubt that Matt Ishbia is going to do something. Whatever he does, is it's always going to be in the best interest of the team. And uh, speaking of which, going to the arena the other day and listening to that KD press conference, uh, I am now in full agreement with what Espo said about the ring of honor inside the arena being uh, LED. 
on the digital boards because we were in there and you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see any of the Ring of Honor members uh, because they had the whole KD graphic going around the, the, the perimeter. And I was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool for like photos or even for him to be sitting there and see all the greats of Suns past right there in the arena. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling. Look, I'm I'm sure Gambo had legit info that this was being considered. But my problem with the it was going to happen, but it didn't happen because of suspension, it's got to be horseshit, right? Because Robert Sarver got suspended in the middle of October. If they were going to do this kind of stuff and have some giant video wall and all these things, you would have had to have been working on it before, uh, you know, or he got suspended in September, excuse me. October is when the season starts. You would have had to have been working on it. So I don't believe that this was going to happen day one when the season started. I feel like the, if, it if it was, the only thing that they might have decided to nix would be the induction of those guys because then he couldn't participate yeah. in it. Yeah, may- but the the setup and the build out and the video board and all that could have still gone forward. Yeah. So I don't know that that makes a difference. To me, it seems like this was something that was pitched or brought up as a potential addition later on that never maybe got the attention that it deserved because there were other things that popped up that yeah. maybe needed a little bit more attention yeah. at the time. Um, again, I'm with you. Do Does HBO need to do something? And would we love to see him make a permanent Ring of Honor structure and get these guys in the Ring of Honor? Of course. Okay. But that's his prerogative. I, I want to get to 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 Matt Ishbia, but I got to tell one story. Okay. All right. Get in the Wayback Machine with me. It's 2012, I believe. <laughs> I'm a young uh, digital person with the Phoenix Sun sitting in a marketing meeting. <laughs> I was I, a young, uh, hot intern. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I'm not I saying that at the time that it was in Sun's history, but I mean, we're in a marketing meetings, and we said, "What do we? You know, what are the things that we should do? What do fans want?" And the big one was Al McCoy in the Ring of Honor, and we were point blank told Robert does not want to put Al McCoy in the Ring of Honor. He says he's already got the media room. Why would we want to put him in? And everybody said, I don't know. Maybe so you do it before he's at a point where he can't actually take part in the ceremony, like when you put Coach McLeod in in the Ring of Honor. And it got pushed back and pushed back, and finally it happened, right? That's why I find it a little hard to believe some of all this, because I I had firsthand experience with it. But, Saul, you're 100% right. Matt Ispia can scrap these plans. If we can put the picture back up, this looked like like a child's play version of what a Ring of Honor should be. This little <laughs> circle above people that looks like it's like maybe the width of five people standing around and a video board that's maybe like eight feet tall that looks like freaking tic-tac-toe. Like, I'm sorry. You thought it was a lamp. I'm sorry, but that is not how you honor the greatest of all time to do it for your franchise. You put it back in the bowl. So when guys are warming up, out there they're looking at the greats during the game the greats are there as part of your franchise it's why teams used to hang hang banners to honor their retired jerseys because they're there in the building not in the front area where people are walking around trying to buy their shirt at uh, at free the freaking team shop that's not the way you honor uh, honor your fans matt ishbia please do right by the history of this franchise, by the guys who built this franchise with their blood, sweat, and tears, how they played, and put it back physically in the arena and have it mean something. Because if you induct 
Sean Marion and Amari Stoudemire, who both need to be in there in some rinky-dink, lame-ass ring that's sitting in the front pavilion of your arena, it feels pretty hokey when it should be on the court where you unveil it like every other guy who's gone into that ring. And I feel like Ishbia is the type of guy who would do his due diligence ask people both who have had longevity within the organization, mm-hmm. ask longtime fans, because he that was one thing that he was very upfront about in his press conference was that he really wants to enhance the fan experience. He really wants to be a part of this community and give back to the community in the way the fans are looking for. Now, obviously, that all sounds great. You want to see it actually like play out, but he sounds like the guy who, he seems like the kind of guy who would at least do the homework to figure out what kind of has been wrong with this or how people feel about it and then move accordingly. Right. So he, He's been very consistent about saying the first 60, 90, 120 days are about coming in, listening, um, evaluating what needs to change. Mm-hmm. I, I think he did the biggest legwork by getting Kevin Durant in his yeah. first 24 hours. So I'm willing to give him some time on this to figure out what a good ring of honor situation would be. But yeah, we know Sean Marion needs to be in there very soon. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, someone asked earlier if there's going to be a G League team. Yes, he did say there is going to be a G League team when he sat down in our one-on-one interview a few weeks back. Um, so we don't know when, what the timeline is, but there will be one of those. That's the thing. A lot of these things are going to take time. Mm-hmm. Like, but I want A lot now. of these <laughs> things are going to take time. you got to give them some grace to be able to get just – acclimated into a brand new organization but, but there's also another aspect to this that i think we, we we're all acting like he's he's walking into this arena and he's never seen another arena before or any of the <laughs> other nba or college hell he was one part of one of the better college teams in mca history you know there there's certain ways that you can appreciate the greats of the game um and your organization and he's been a part, he's literally been a part of some of those things. Uh, you know, he he's he sponsors the seats or whatever over at the Pistons Arena. You think that he can't see Isaiah Thomas's banner hanging from the rafters and the championship banners? Like he sees all this. And I I guarantee you, when he looks at our arena, which I didn't even notice until the other day, like Espo pointed this out about the Ring of Honor, and then I started noticing all these other things, like for instance. Like the other banners for like uh, the the other greats or even um, championship banners from like the Mercury or the Rattlers, they're like literally up against the wall, kind of out of out of the 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 view. Like if you're on the upper side, other side of the arena, it's kind of hard to see it. Um, you should have them dangling right there in the middle of the court, as long as they don't you know stop the the jumbotron. Like like you want to be able to see these jerseys like in the in the championship banners like celebrate it don't try to hide it it feels like they're kind of obscure and hidden i don't know why how about lindsay how about this i'll give him until and we can next. make and we can name the transformation center the lindsay smith transformation center by the way <laughs> that's fine with me look why don't we make it this in october when they unveil the championship banner, mm-hmm. they unveil the new Ring of Honor as well. That should give him plenty of time to get it done. There you I go. Mean, we'll I think see. next season would be a that's a realistic timeline for doing yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, it's not happening before the. There's 20 games left. It's not happening no, before the end of the season. No, absolutely not. He got Kevin Durant before the end of the trade deadline, which you didn't think he'd do. So I'm just saying. Mm. 
<laughs> you mm. might work on I'll a different. I'll eat another shoe if they put it. Oh, no, my God. Kidding. Stop. <laughs> you still haven't eaten the first uh, one. Oh, that's happening March uh, 16th. Yep. Uh, March 16th? I already got the shoes already on its way. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm already locked and loaded. Right. All right. Final. Can we have a medic on site? So. Final thing of the show. <laughs> uh, super chat from Laking. Thank you for your super chat. Said, want to hear your thoughts on who takes the last shot, KD or book, or does it matter on... Or, or does it matter about the matchup? Should we save this for tomorrow? I feel like this could be a really good I mean, he gives a super chat have... now. We can all just right. give us our two cents right. real quick. Let's do it. It's KD all day, every day. Sorry. I think KD is the primary option. I think you can do a lot of tricky stuff with having DA as a roller and Devin Booker obviously being able to hit that shot too. I don't, I don't think there is a bad option. Yeah. I'm of the mindset. I don't care if it's KD or Book. Whoever's got the better look is what yeah, I want. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. As long as it goes in, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Give me either of them. I would prefer okay not to be in a situation where the final shot matters. That's that's <laughs> the best goal for me. Touché. Or like the number one goal for me. Uh, but thank you for your super chat. We appreciate you. All right. We're going to leave now. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you all. As always, uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 3 p.m. with another show for you. So plan to come hang out with us. Until then, you can follow the show on Twitter at phnx underscore sons. You can follow me at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. I'm just honest, you guys. You Espo, like- take us home. <laughs> well, we're all waiting to see the big KD and D book together. Just think about it. Ahoy, hoy. Never gonna let go. PHNX, though. Lindsey Gerald Espo. Saw past the ball. We here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me. I'll always rep the family. Rally in the valley like Dan G. No plan B. Always on the job. My team move like the mob. Turn the beat on. I throw it down like DA on the lob. Best combo since KJ Mar-